Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Today on the show, we're talking about how the God of War deals with taking a life. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes behind some of our favorite video games. My name's Abu. And I'm Bruce. And Bruce, you're here in New York in person. Yeah. We get to do our podcast face-to-face. This I am is exciting. So, I, no, I am super excited. I mean, I was here just to visit my sister and just uh, see her a little party before she gets married, um, and I was just, you know, in the neighborhood and thought I would just give you a little visit. Well, on today's episode, you and I are back again together to talk about God of War. Yes, um, it's been great. I actually just started the new game plus and just taking a look at the game again, uh, it really does kind of give me a different perspective uh, starting out again, seeing how Kratos reacts to some things. Yeah, absolutely. That new game plus mode just came out in a recent update. I haven't actually had the chance to play it again. But I've been meaning to, because I played through the game originally on normal difficulty. And now that I'm a much better God of War, uh, I need to play it on a harder difficulty. Oh, that's, what, it... that's exactly what I did. And it's going to take a little bit to adjust, but you'll get to it. <laughs> well, I'm excited for another playthrough. But on today's episode, we're focusing on one of the key themes throughout every single God of War game, not just this one. And it's an aspect of life that Kratos has to come to terms with, and it's something that he has to teach Atreus, and that's how to take a life. Yes, uh, the God of War series has always been just very centered around killing, taking a life. It's the God of War. War needs to invite homicide and man killing man, and it's also been this big kind of blockbuster uh, action-adventure kind of aspect of the game that people have really loved about it. But in this new installment of the God of War uh, franchise, we see a much different approach to killing than we've seen in the trilogy games uh, and the spinoffs on, like, PlayStation Portable. Uh, In this, we see a Kratos much more reserved in his reasons for killing. In the original trilogy, we see that he kind of kills indiscriminately. That is such a key part of Kratos' character when he's younger in the original games. He kills indiscriminately and is only motivated by rage. In the new God of War, he's matured. He's controlling that rage, and he's choosing when it's okay to take a life and when it isn't. You cannot change. You will always be a monster. I know. But I am your monster no longer. What we decided to do for this episode, just like we did for the last one, is we chose three key moments in the story, in the new God of War game, that really exemplify 
the lessons that Kratos is trying to pass on to Atreus about taking a life, about murder. And these moments are also huge turning points for Atreus's growth. It's where he comes to terms with things like his godhood and the fact that this is a brutal and dangerous world that they both inhabit. Killing and murder and death is inevitable. Yes, and we get to see almost in the first one to two hours of gameplay this theme set up in these first two moments. The first one we visit is Atreus and Kratos going hunting, showing Kratos that Atreus can be able to hunt and at least fend for himself to be able to just cut down an animal. And he hesitates at the start of the game. Exactly. There's a lot of hesitation when it comes to actually taking a life. Yes, and Atreus seems confident at first, um, but unfortunately has a few uh, misfires, but ultimately is able to take the deer down. Um, But as the deer is there, shot, wounded, Kratos teaches him that he has to end his suffering um, and has him hold the knife and to stick it into the deer. And it's a moment that is difficult for Atreus to be able to take a life of a deer. I don't know what his mom had taught him, but maybe it was just, you know, an appreciation for all life. Um, And him just having to end it like that himself is something that we see he probably didn't do before. Right. It's the first hurdle that he has to overcome. They're stepping out into the larger world and they're stepping out into truths about themselves that they're going to have to come to terms with. And I think this first scene where Atreus hesitates, he can't finish off the deer. He shot it. He was very excited about shooting it with a bow and arrow from a distance. But when he gets right up in the deer's face, he sees the deer suffering. He sees the deer bleeding. And he sees the light of its life just go out right in front of him. Exactly. And knowing that it was his doing. Right. And he hesitates. Like any... I mean, nine-year-old boy would, right? Yeah. You have to remember, despite his godhood, despite what we know about Kratos, he's still just a boy. Right. And hunting for survival and finishing off the kill are extremely difficult things to do for a little boy like that. Yes. And, you know, we can see that Kratos has at least been patient with his son. He's, again, showing a large amount of restraint, uh, at least compared to what he was in the past and seeing him be able to just try to be a teacher for his son in this aspect that he knows very, very well is at least nice to see. Yeah, well, so a little bit of restraint. A little bit of restraint. Because right at the start of the game. Oh, oh, it's my best. It's my favorite part. <laughs> it's my favorite line in the game. And it's, it's honestly the line from the trailer. I believe it, it was in the yeah, trailer. Yeah, it was, it was. But it's the line from the trailer that sold me on the game. I knew I was going to buy the game when I heard this line where the two are hunting, and Atreus, like you said at the start, is extremely confident. He goes after the deer, he rushes it, he shoots his bow and arrow, and he misses. And Kratos just gets so enraged, grabs that bow from him, and he's like, do not fire until I tell you to fire. And Atreus, like any nine-year-old boy would when he's getting yelled at by his dad, apologizes, and he says, I'm sorry. And Kratos says, don't be sorry, be Be better." better. Oh. Such a good line. I love it. What are you doing? Now his guard is up. Only fire. Only fire when I tell you to fire. I'm sorry. Do not be sorry. Be better. Find it. 
find it. Uh, once he once Atreus kills the deer, uh, Kratos has a kind of conflicting moment that I really love, and it's sort of uh, an ongoing theme uh, that we see that he kind of starts to reach out to try and like physically comfort his son, but in the end either is interrupted or can't really bring himself to do it at that time. Uh, and at this moment, he was interrupted by uh, a troll a that giant was, troll. <laughs> uh, was just scooping away their kill uh, and initiates uh, one of the big first boss fights. Uh, of right. The- and it also throws the two of them up that ladder as far as killing goes. They started with the deer. All they're doing is hunting deer for survival, for food. And then immediately they get to a big troll, a monster. A monster. That's the next step up when you're talking about sort of the stepping stones of murder. It starts with an animal. And now we're up to a semi-intelligent, sentient being like a troll. And during the troll fight, if I remember correctly, Kratos tells his son to sort of stay back, stay stay away. Don't get involved here. Let me just take down this troll. But he doesn't listen. And we'll move on. But he doesn't listen. Atreus keeps trying to get involved. He's shooting his arrows. Once the troll is actually taken down, Atreus gets right up there with his little knife and starts just hacking away at the dead body. And I, I couldn't help but laugh, but I mean, that was just a real, it was really real. It was super real. Yeah. And, and we see him get sick at this moment too, which is yeah. another clue that later comes to fruition and we realize he gets sick every time his innate godhood comes out. And Kratos being a parent, his immediate reaction is panic. He He's just like, no, 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 you are not ready to take this journey. We can't go out into this bloody, dangerous world where we might have to kill much more than just a monster or a deer, which they do eventually. But Kratos panics and he's like, no, we're going home. We're done. We're not doing this journey. You are not ready. You can't control this anger. And they end up going home. But then we have a visit from the stranger. <laughs> right. Uh, later we know as Baldur. It wouldn't be much of a game if they just went home and uh, <laughs> called it a day. <laughs> Kratos does his taxes. <laughs> <laughs> right, his Norse tax collector shows up. I do want to take this time to kind of talk about Kratos and his background, because I think it's very important to talk about this in the way that he teaches this philosophy onto his son. Kratos is, uh, he was... Not actually like born in Sparta, but he was like brought there as a small child and raised as Sparta with his little brother. If you watch 300, if you just, you know, it's one of the most well-known things, but Sparta was an ancient Greek city-state that was, that eat, breathed, and lived war. It was, um, it, it raised its children to make sure that they were just warriors, just killing machines. Right. He An was raised in that culture. State. Yeah. And to kind of come out of that, obviously you're going to have some psychological problems. <laughs> uh, but one of the biggest things is that they are taught to kill. And it is like not about, you know, hesitation or wondering if that life is precious or sacred. It is about working to end that life that is an obstacle for you. Yeah, I mean, in addition to his upbringing as a a Spartan and his time in the Spartan army, that alone changes his perspective on taking a life and killing. But then after that, in addition to that, he steps into the world of godhood. And as we know, mythology and gods are extremely flippant about taking a life. To them, human life is almost nothing. Humans are just people that worship you. 
Oh, yeah. And also, I wanted to take us to, um, I don't know if you saw, like, the flashback at, like, the beginning of uh, the God of War game, the first one, but um, it shows Kratos when he was a kid, about the same age as Atreus, and I <laughs> I would just imagine what kind of interaction he would have with Atreus, because those two could not be further apart from personalities. Kratos has always been like that, even as a kid. So, like, I don't know. It's pretty interesting to kind of think like that because he would, like, he he would eat Atreus. Like, he would just <laughs> eat him. Yeah, if Atreus got in his way on the playground, oh yeah, Atreus is getting his ass beat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'd be the school bully. <laughs> so back to our current journey. After we get that visit from the stranger, Atreus and Kratos have no choice but to leave their home, to leave the safety of this little plot of land that they were protected from the rest of the world from, they have no choice but to go out into that world and face the dangers. They have to take Faye's ashes to the tallest peak in the lands. And this is where, once again, on that ladder of taking a life, we take one more step up past hunting deer, past attacking a troll monster, and now we're moving on to taking a human life. And this is a pivotal moment for Atreus. Yes, it is pivotal and one of the most powerful wordless scenes. But we see that the uh, the two disembark on their journey and they begin to go into these ruins. And they once they get through some sort of gate, they see one of the last humans kind of held up in Midgard um, who aren't dead or reavers um, come to walk back. And it was... Interesting to see it because it was almost like an episode of The Walking Dead Um, because, I mean, that's pretty much what this is. It's just like, to them, it's the apocalypse. The dead are rising back up to life and killing everyone in sight. And as soon as you die, you become that uh, reaver. And it's kill or be killed. Right. And (laughs) once you're killed, you become a drogger, you become an undead. And that is not the preferable path in life that any of these bandits want to take. But we come across these bandits and their immediate reaction is, look, meat, food, we can eat these people, we can continue to survive. And that alone is shocking to Atreus. His reaction is like, wait, food, are they are they talking about us? <laughs> uh, just the concept of... He did not even think cannibalism was real. Exactly. Like, Atreus' world is slowly and very, very quickly starting to open up and he's start, starting to see a side of it that both his mother and father have protected him from. It's such a steep learning curve. Uh, just in the uh, in the midst of the scuffle that he has, uh, Kratos makes very short work of these uh, humans. Of these pesky humans. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, he is uh, overcome by one of them. Uh, and just in the background, you see Atreus getting attacked by one of them. And uh, you see that he has to defend himself. And instinctually, he stabs that human in his throat and his lifeless corpse just lands on top of the boy and Kratos has to run over and it's such a powerful scene there's no words he just pulls the man's body off of him props his son up who's just having that thousand yard stare boy
close your heart to it. <laughs> he comes back to reality and he just starts to cry. And then we are brought back with a huge, huge weight of a reality check that this is a kid. This mm-hmm. is a nine-year-old boy. This is a kid who was still squeamish about killing a deer for food. Yeah, and I think the game does a good job throughout the entire story to really make sure that those reality checks are paced throughout the story. Yeah. Because when you're playing this like fantastical, mythological story, you have, of a, gods sus- you have and, a suspension of disbelief. Right. There's a certain level of like, there's a certain level of disconnect from reality. And I think it's such a powerful moment where they just bring us back down to earth and they remind us that at the end of the day, Atreus is still a little boy and taking a life is not just a casual thing that anyone can do. Just because Kratos has done it his entire life doesn't mean that a little boy like Atreus can do it easily. Um, And then we see just in a little bit further after that scene, we see that Atreus, and I, I love these little details they put in. Atreus does not just go back to, you know... Oh, I'm a happy little boy. Like, he is still racked with that. He is in his head. He is just dragging his feet along. Uh, you have to sometimes press a button to be able to call for him when he's just kind of hesitating and just kind of walking around aimlessly. It's a great touch that shows that this is not just like a cutscene. This is something that's in the game. He is now changed forever. Right. He's inside, he's stuck inside his own head. He can't stop thinking about it. And despite the advice that his father gave him to close his heart to their suffering, that's not easy to do. Yes, you, can't just, a, you can't just a, hear that advice and be like, okay, great, heart closed, let's move on, let's keep doing it. Got it. Thanks, thanks, Papa. <laughs> exactly. Appreciate it. So that's not an easy thing to do. It's taken Kratos an entire lifetime to yeah. come to a nuanced understanding of this philosophy. Atreus, is, again, is a boy, and he's going to be stuck inside his own head after an incident like that. That's not just going away. And the game, like you said, does a great job of showing us that. Uh, but things get a little out of control Ugh. later in the game once Atreus realizes that he is a god. So we've already touched on this before, but um, I, it still is such an amazing scene. After Atreus beats a broken and wounded Modi, um, and... It's another threshold. Exactly. It's, it, again, it's that next step on that ladder. We've already killed a deer. We've killed a troll. We've killed monsters. Then Atreus took a human life. He came to terms with that. It affected him, but he moved on from it. He grew from it. He learned a lesson from it. The threats got bigger and bigger and bigger until ultimately, as we knew was going to happen in a game titled God of War, he had to face a god. And we touched on this in our last episode, so definitely go back and give that a listen to really dive into this scene in detail. But Atreus realizes he's a god and takes the life of another god. And Kratos panics and tells him there's consequences to killing a god. And there's consequences to taking life at every step of this ladder. There really but is. really, godhood is at the top of that ladder. I, I like that you said that because one thing I do want to touch on is that up to this point, Kratos was kind of doing a pretty okay job of being a father and raising his son on his own. However, he kind of missed a very crucial part of yeah. everything, <laughs> and it's teaching his son consequences. In warfare and military, a soldier is not trained to ask why. They are trained to do. They are told what their objective is, 
and then they carry that out. He is a soldier. He was raised a soldier. He worked as a soldier. And then he was literally god of war and soldiers. That's yeah. all he knows. And he does not really understand consequences like a normal person would. Right. And the lessons of consequences really happens after things have gone to shit. After Atreus stabs Modi and kills a god, that's the moment that Kratos realizes, oh, shit. I got to teach my kid about consequences. I got to teach him what happens when you take these lives, when you continue to climb this ladder of taking a life, and then you eventually decide, I'm a god, I can do whatever I want, I can take whatever life I want. That's not true. Kratos knows that's not true. There's consequences. It doesn't matter what you are, who you are, when you do this terrible thing, when you take a life, there are consequences, whether you're a god, whether you're a human, whether you're a giant. Absolutely. Oh, and... If we can just kind of take a moment to really appreciate how this game was able to kind of show such a huge jump from this scared nine-year-old boy who winced and had to have his father hold his hand uh, to stick a knife through a deer to going against his father's wishes to stab a broken, beaten god in the neck and watch him die and just kind of turn away from him bleeding and then just kicking him off a cliff i mean like i i would say like in days weeks maybe months like yeah, we I, don't really is, get a timeline for this journey it doesn't even it I, doesn't I even show darkness yeah it doesn't i mean i read somewhere that show this journey could have been as short as a few day like a day or two oh my god um, but i have to say like i like super props to this team and this writing team and direction because it feels so organic. It feels so natural. It does not seem like this does not, like this is out of the realm of possibility. Atreus has been through so much at that point. It would obviously make sense for him to be able to make all those logical leaps in his character. But like, just knowing that that happened in such a short amount of time, it almost seems unreal that like we're here and like we're being evoked in emotions by uh, this boy's actions and his changing in his own philosophy and his thoughts. Yeah, I agree. Like props to Santa Monica Studios. They did their homework when it comes to the mythology and the setting of this world. I actually wanted to share a story from Norse mythology by Neil Gaiman. I recently read that book right after I beat God of War the first time. Nice. I decided to pick up Norse mythology. I wasn't very knowledgeable about it, but I wanted to learn. And I was recommended the Neil Gaiman book. He distills this vast, confusing mythology down into short stories. And there's one particular story that I thought of when we were coming up with the idea for this episode. I don't remember exactly what happens, but essentially Thor, with his hammer, goes to the ice giant's castle for one reason or another. He gets tricked and uh, embarrassed I know this by, one. by the ice giant king. Yeah, yeah. That story eventually ends with... Thor wiping out, casually wiping out a hundred giants and then going home. He gets his hammer back, he kills a hundred giants, and he goes home. And I think that story in particular really exemplifies why it's so important for Atreus to learn these lessons about consequences. Because in these short stories from Norse mythology, there's no consequences. The story ends with Thor laughing off murdering a hundred people 
and casually going home, no consequences because he's a god, he's Thor, whatever. Yeah, I've read through a lot of uh, Norse mythologies, and it all just kind of feels like these weird short stories of just like super-powered frat boys. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's such a perfect <laughs> example. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, it's just these frat boys just doing whatever they want because they're all powerful. And oh, yeah. They know it's no it's mythological animal house. And they're just like, <laughs> they steal stuff and they dress up. And I think turning that on its head, Santa Monica deciding to take that mythology, ripping it back down to earth, ripping it back down to reality in a story and in a way where there are real consequences to your actions, that's amazing. Just the fact that even Baldur's story with his mother, Freya, had consequences. In the Neil Gaiman book, that story didn't really have consequences. It was just a story about a, a mother protecting her son from all types of harm. In God of War, we see the consequences of that action. We see Baldur hates his mother because he can't feel anything. What they do simply, like, it's such a simple addition, but it's just sort of like they go through these mythological short stories, and then they say, and then what happens? Right. Exactly. It's not like, oh, uh, uh, you know, and then this happens, and then, you know, they're done, and then we go to a next story. Like, no, 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 no. These are real people. What happened afterwards? What are their feelings after this entire experience? Exactly. And that's a lesson that Atreus has to learn. What do you have to live with after you take these actions? And that's what Kratos is still learning. And that, exactly. Kratos is still learning that. It's definitely interesting to kind of see Kratos coming from the Greek culture and how he reacts and how his own culture kind of meshes with the Norse mythology where right. he's like, you know, there's a reason that they're here, they're doing this. But like at the end of the day, we just figure out like they thought that he was the uh, guardian giant Freya. because Right, they had it was never all just a her. giant misunderstanding. Yeah, it was just a giant misunderstanding. <laughs> and Baller was just like, what's up, what's up, bro? <laughs> we'll start shit, bro? <laughs> It's seriously, they're they're just a bunch of like fucking frat boys, and I love it. I love it. Like I don't even hate it. It's great. It's beautiful (laughs) storytelling because it's just like, what if you just gave these dudes unimaginable power, and that's what we have, and it's great. It's great. That's exactly what we have in this game. We sort of see an epilogue of sorts. All the all the shit they got into with that unimaginable power. Now they got to live with it, right? And And they're not living very well. That we start the game off in. The world that exists as a result of all of their bullshit, all the frat boy shenanigans that they got into, this is what's left. Yeah. How do you deal with that? I love that. That's great. Um, Yeah. I mean, God of War is a franchise that will always revolve around taking a life and killing. But in this new installment, it really does delve into the real life consequences, the real effects that it has on people, on emotions, on the setting, on cultures and relationships to a point that you really do feel like this is a real place with real people. And how how self-aware is that? That a game that is about killing, that has so much bloodshed and death, is fully aware of the consequences of that, yeah. is fully aware of what results when you take a life who it affects, how it affects them, what happens in the world when a life is taken, and what that does for you, regardless of who you are and what you are. Man, woman, God, child, whatever you are, this ultimate act of taking a life that's so central to this bloody world has consequences. 
Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, maybe take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party. You can also find us on Reddit at r slash lore party. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.